This is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Live, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of FD Talks. We're here today with Dr. Alan Wolfelt, the director of the Center for Loss and Life Transition out in Fort Collins, Colorado. How are you this morning, Dr. Wolfelt? I'm very good. Thanks for inviting me to join you today. Very good. One of the reasons we wanted to have you come on during the month of May, because as you are probably aware, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I want to talk a little bit today about something I know that's near and dear to you, and that's uh, funeral service and stress and caring for yourself while you care for those you serve. I don't think things have been more stressful. I don't think there's ever been a time in funeral service where things have been so stressful. Yes, Rob, I totally agree with you. If there was ever a time to talk about uh, our topic here today, uh, funeral service and stress, it would be now because we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. And as a result of that, there's overwhelming stress, demand, challenge, and change specifically to many people in funeral service. So yeah, COVID-19, it's been a nonstop kind of wrecking ball. As you know, it's swung back and forth, not only across our country, but across the globe, impacting each and every one of us. And again, specific to your topic today of funeral service and stress, my goodness, uh, many funeral homes have experienced what, you know, what I call grief overload, if you will. I, we've actually done some traveling and I've been in funeral homes over the, the past few months with the easing of restrictions. And, you know, it, it's kind of a new dynamic. Technology is being uh, embraced a little more than it has been historically. And, and that's allowed funeral homes to serve families in different ways. But um, <clears throat> I think what's important, it, it, one, one thing I think that's a major cause of stress for a lot of funeral directors is they're not really sure since families have had to go for a while with the thought of not being able to grieve in the way that, that they've wanted to, um, how important do you think it is that, uh, that families understand the value of funeral service? It's been interesting to see that some people who previously were kind of minimizing the significance of having funerals have really taught us as we've observed them that they now have in many ways a better understanding of their critical importance. It's kind of that dynamic that when all of a sudden you can't experience something, um, you want to experience it. And in, and in terms of how critically important it is, you know, as you well know, funerals are not rites of closure, they're rites of initiation. And you really can't put grief on hold, but that's unfortunately some of the challenge we've seen with COVID-19 is the compromises in the use of the meaningful elements of ceremony. Um, some families deciding to simply bypass having ceremony uh, the grief overload in certain hot spots where funeral homes have just been overwhelmed and unable to meet all the demands. Um, and as you mentioned previously, just adjusting to the new technologies. But specific to your question, you know, when words are an addict would have ceremony, it helps us know what to do when we don't know what to do. And how fitting is that right now, Rob, when people don't know what to do and many families are experiencing the death of more than one person. So they experience grief overload before they can mourn one loss. They have another loss. So thank goodness we have these frontline funeral directors out there recognizing that while there's limitations to what they can do, attempting to still help families hold at least some initial form of service and then plan for some additional services once we get on the other side of this, of this epidemic of uh, COVID-19 here. Would you say that that adds additional stress to the funeral home staff? 
Well, I think without a doubt, you can't carry out your job in the way that you've historically been able to, to have a family come to you and, and even be able to sit with them. Many, many arrangements have been made virtually. And I think uh, in talking to many of my funeral home friends and hosts that have me in, they've helped me understand that they have come to the recognition there's no substitute for that one-on-one -on -one personal contact. That while you can make an arrangement virtually, it's just simply not the same. So that in itself has been very stressful because you know two two thirds of all communication is is nonverbal, and that's even greater when people are in distress. And while you can see people at times uh, virtually while they're making arrangements, it's just not the same as being there in person. So yes, to answer your question specifically, I think that's that's added additional stress to a number of things that I've already brought you know, stress in a general sense to all of us across the world, as well as the specific stresses to funeral service. So what would you say uh, are some of the reasons that self-care is so important for funeral service? Well, there's a multitude of reasons, of course. One, of course, is that by its very nature, funeral service is physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually draining. There's an outward focus that's required of, of compassionate people in funeral service where you're focusing outwardly. And whenever you do that, there's a natural drain that occurs. Uh, I guess another reason is that hopefully uh, you're in funeral service because you genuinely do care about people. And, and, it, and in doing so, it touches the depths of your heart and your soul and increases the risk for many in funeral service to experience what we call you know, secondary traumatization or vicarious traumatization because you're, you're with people again at the most difficult times of their lives. I think good self-care is essential because you owe it to the very families you serve to not become what we call a wounded healer because you can never take people any further than you go yourself. And there's a principle that you know, essentially says, you know, do no harm. I guess I'd also add that, that people are sensitive to your capacity to really truly be present to have what we call high levels of immediacy. And if you don't do good self-care, you won't have that capacity to have that outward focus, totally being present to people, being present to three levels of an interaction, not only exchange of content, but emotion and meaning that's going on when you're talking with families who've been bereaved, which means, of course, to be torn apart, to have some very special needs. And then I think in general, you know, life and living and in, in, is inherently stress-filled. Uh, uh, I recently did a literature review um, just, just for my own edification and saw that North America's described as, you know, prior to the onset of slowing down secondary to COVID, we were living in a time of hyper living, skimming across the surface of life. One author described this as the forward stampede. So we kind of, we prior to the onset of COVID, we already lived in a pretty stress-filled, fast-paced, hurry-up culture. So all those things are good reasons to have some discernment about doing good self-care, I believe. That's, you bring up a good point. And, you know, one of the things that I know I've spoken with you about in the past is when you, you head up the Center for Loss and Life Transition. And, and when you talk about loss, you're not necessarily always talking about the loss of having, having someone not in your life anymore. Um, this, the entire world is, is still experiencing profound loss. Um, on multiple levels, whether it's anything from having lost someone's life who's close to you or having, you know, just, just lost your daily routine. I think that there's, there's a level of stress that's involved in, in any of that. Well, yes, you're referring to what we call collective grief, that well, sometimes people immediately think of the death of someone when you think about being in grief, but I think there's a kind of a, 
enhanced understanding that grief can be thought of in a much broader sense. And many people have lost sense of self, loss of security, loss of sense of meaning and purpose, having been impacted by this virus. So yeah, you raise a good point to think beyond just death loss. That's obviously very significant. And that's what people in funeral service deal with every day. Um, but beyond that is to think about so many elements that have brought grief into our lives. People not being able to be with people when they're dying, the loss of a lot of the gathering ability that we had previously for families, uh, the anxiety and fear and loss that people have had about the, potentially their own health contracting the virus, uh, disruptions that have occurred in childcare and in school life for families, uh, layoffs in some professions that have occurred secondary to the virus uh, resulting in unemployment, that's grief. You know, anytime, anytime I say from the moment you come into the world, you, you gain something new, you're also giving things up. So your point's well taken. We got to think about grief in a much broader collective sense, um, particularly right now as we think about how many people are impacted by aspects of grief beyond just the death of someone, which of course, Again, funeral service is dealing with death, but there's always a ripple effect of loss. You're not only mourning the death of someone, you mourn again what I call a ripple effect, loss of aspects of self, of security, of meaning. So thank you for acknowledging collective grief that faces all of us at this time. We often hear the word stress, um, but can you share the definition that you make use of in your writings and your teachings? I'd be happy to do that. While there's, of course a variety of different definitions. And I always remember the words of Voltaire, who once said, if you want to converse with me, define your terms. So thank you for the question, because we throw that term around a lot, don't we? Stress, but we don't step back and remind ourselves. And one of my personal favorite definitions, Rob, of stress is the wear and tear of responding to life's pressures, demands, challenges, and changes. That's a mouthful. Let me restate it again, though, just so that we're all together on it. When we think of stress, remember Hans Selye, the father of stress research, he talked about there's eustress and there's distress. And certainly eustress is defined as, you know, even happy occasions, getting married, having children that bring happiness into your life are also stressful. But what we've been experiencing a lot of this past year plus, of course, is distress. And that relates to the pressures, the demands, the challenges, the changes that have been overwhelming secondary to COVID-19. So that, I guess, is my favorite kind of operational definition of stress. And if there's ever a time when we're experiencing those kinds of things, pressures, demands, challenges, changes, it is certainly now and, and creates an importance to the topic that we're exploring together here today. You've written that self-care takes time and mindfulness and discernment, but can you describe to me what you, what you mean by that? Well, our lives get busy, and unless we have a consciousness about building in self-care, and we know that many people who are caregiver types, which include people in funeral service, are generally better at caring for others than they are themselves. So here you get busy, and you forget about the importance of building in foundational self-care, um, and all of a sudden, you become a wounded healer, as I referenced earlier, and now you can't be effective with these families that you're serving. So critically important to have discernment. And by discernment, of course, I remind our listeners what is good for me and what's not so good for me. You know, what's healthy for me, what's unhealthy. 
And so unless you consciously say, I'm going to build in and create a self-care plan individualized to my needs and play that out on a regular basis, you could end up, uh, again, being a wounded healer and not doing good self-care. And all of a sudden that gets projected on the families you're serving and affects your symptoms that you'll be having reflected to a lack of good self-care. So what would you say are some of the the symptoms, or I know you like to refer to them as red flags. What are some of those things that we ought to be looking for when we're, when we suspect that someone might be in stress overload? Well, well said. The thing to do is not only keep in mind yourself, but others, your work colleagues, because sometimes when people are under stress, they, they lack that awareness. And so some of the symptoms you'd want to be alert to, of course, are exhaustion and loss of energy. That's one of the first things to go when you aren't practicing good self-care irritability and impatience that gets projected outwardly, a negative attitude or kind of constant worrying. Symptoms, of course, that we commonly see when stress overload occurs are symptoms of anxiety and potentially very significant depression, if you will. Uh, Feeling disoriented, confused, having an inability to have short-term memory. And that's usually combined with uh, you know, what we call polyphasic behavior, fancy word meaning an inability to stay focused on one thing. You start one thing in the middle of it, you start doing something else. That's often a sign of over demand, challenge and changed. And then watch out for, for additional red flags like any kind of alcohol abuse or dependence that might be being witnessed or experienced. Um, Sometimes we watch out for people seeing a, a change in their own personality where they previously hadn't been somebody who'd have emotional outbursts and now all of a sudden that's coming out of them. Uh, changes in eating patterns, overeating or undereating is often a reflection of stress overload, if you will. Uh, physiological complaints, people who go to the doctor and they can't find anything wrong with you, a fancy word called somatization, where you have multiple physical complaints, no findings on exam. Sleep disturbance, either initial insomnia, where you can't get to sleep, terminal insomnia, which is defined as you have intermittent awakening or early morning awakening. And then you want to be alert to hypersomnia, where you just wish you could just go to sleep and stay asleep all the time. That's where we want to take a look at making sure you haven't evolved into like a clinical depression or something. And then lastly, I'd mention, you know, watch out in yourself or others that under stress, you work to the exclusion of doing any self-care. What happens for some people, the more stressed they are, the more they tend to overwork and not build any self-care in and then they crash. So those are some of the red flag symptoms or signals to watch out for in yourself and your colleagues to be concerned about and then learn to give attention to them. That's that says, hey, there's something's going on in my world I need to give attention to. That's why we have those kinds of symptoms. So what are some good practices to keep you out of trouble? Well, some good self-care practices that come to mind for me would be things like right now, particularly getting rest whenever possible. Um, that can be challenging in funeral service in the best of times, but right now, uh, whenever possible, make sure that you realize getting rest is restorative. It's like recharging your battery. Some people think of that as a waste of time. Oh, I don't need to sleep and they keep going, but they'll eventually collapse. Uh, having a regular exercise routine is a great stress management tool. It's a real practical thing you can do, build into 20 to 30 minutes a day, making sure you're doing good self-care in that regard. Staying connected with loved ones is important. We as humans need interaction and uh, an interaction particularly with people we love and that love us. So make sure you build in some downtime to spend time when possible with people you care about. Now, in contrast to that, 
Sometimes we need exile time to recharge our batteries. We need personal space to be alone with our thoughts, what I you know, think of as an uninterrupted time of, of solitude, if you will. So you gotta be intentional about doing that or uh, uh, we, want, we find that it often doesn't happen. Um, setting boundaries with negative people is one I'd, I always enjoy mentioning. You know, I always split people in your world into thirds. And while it's just a theoretical model, a third of people in your life are kind of neutral. They don't hurt you or help you. A third of people after you're around them, you feel worse than you did before. But thank goodness there's another percentage of people, hopefully more than a third for all of you listeners out there, that when you're around them, they affirm you. They feel good. But if you're around doom and gloom people right now who don't think we're going to get to the other side of like this virus, you'll, you'll end up catching that from them. So set, set, set boundaries with negative people. Find someone that can be a responsibility partner to you about expressing how you are being impacted by stress. And by a responsibility partner, I mean simply somebody that can kind of hold the mirror up and say, you know, how are you going? What's, what's, how are you doing? What's going on in your world right now? And take what's inside you and share it outwardly. That's so critically important. I uh, just published a piece on how valuable it is to make sure you spend some time outside to get out into nature. Uh, right now, we know that people are interacting more with computers uh, secondary to, you know, working at home and other things that are going on. But you, if you're not careful, you can experience what we, what's been termed a nature deficit disorder where you're not getting outside as, as much. So we know that being out into nature lowers your blood pressure, your heart rate, it lowers the stress chemical cortisol, has all sorts of tremendous benefits. So get outside if possible. Create some flow experiences. Another thing, um, that I love to teach people is find something that when you're doing it, you're disengaging from like your work demands and stresses. And that might be unique to you. For example, a very brief personal, I love intramural basketball. I, I pretend I'm Larry Bird and I shoot hoops. And when I'm doing that, I'm not, I'm not thinking about work and at the center for loss and the demands I'm under. I'm, I find a flow experience that disengages me from those demands and renews me. So when I come back into the center for loss, I'm able to be available to people and help them. Limit your alcohol use. Uh, we've seen a tremendous increase in the sales of alcohol during COVID. And so that tells us some people are getting to a pattern of self-treating some of that stress they're feeling. And I don't mean you have to be a teetotaler, but watch out for any patterns of abuse or dependence because that can take you down to a real dark place real quickly. Oh, those are just a few of many things uh, that I would mention. I can go on if you'd like, but uh, I would mention, make sure you create some forums with maybe your coworkers where you can sit down and share some commonly held stresses that you can relate to and you'll feel support in that context. Be aware if you have access to any kind of employee assistance program, if you need that, if you get yourself into trouble with some significant anxiety, depression, alcohol abuse, things like that, then make sure that, you know, that's bigger than you, go get the help you need and that you deserve. Oh, nurture your spiritual life. You know, we're all spiritual beings. We all have a divine spark, that, that which makes our lives have meaning and purpose. And right now with all the stresses going on, if you're not careful, you can, you can lose your divine spark or get into what's called anhedonia, the inability to experience joy in your life. So you've got to find ways to renew. And uh, my goodness, there's, there's various spiritual ways that can be unique to you whether that's prayer or, or non-traditional forms of using yoga or reflecting on spiritual readings, things that will renew you in that regard. And then lastly, I, I, I just mentioned that despite all the challenges, try to look for things in your life you have gratitude about. 
that it's easy uh, during stressful times to lose perspective on the fact that there's a lot of things in our lives that we have to be thankful for. Our family, hopefully, uh, our friends, uh, staying employed, if you hopefully that you're employed, things that, that are critically important to remember to have gratitude and be thankful about. So that was well, a long list just reflected on, but I hope that's helpful to your listeners. No, it's, it's very good advice. In fact, you know, one of the things that I like to do a lot is just, I like to play guitar and spend time with family. And that's been extremely helpful to me uh, over the course of almost the past 18 months now. Excellent. That's one of your flow experiences when you're, when you're enjoying music, uh, then you can disconnect from other demands and feel renewed. Uh, so that's excellent. I bet you found yourself even doing that a little more than you might have at other times. I don't know that because we seek out more flow experiences, the more stress we come under, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that you've, you've created a handbook uh, specific to this topic uh, for the Funeral Service Foundation. Can you share with our listeners how they could uh, have access to that resource? Yes, Rob, you can just simply go to funeralservicefoundation.org. Again, funeralservicefoundation.org. And I was I was so pleased and honored and humbled that the foundation reached out to me to put together a specific handbook right now in the face of all these stresses of funeral service. And so I cover in there a variety of topics like funeral service, work tapes, uh, define the concept of grief overload for funeral service, the concept of secondary traumatization, the symptoms to watch out for. There's even an inventory people can take to kind of have a sense of how they're doing with their self-care. And they may be alerted to they need to improve that or they may feel affirmed they're doing a good job. So there's a variety of, uh, of topics. And then I took the five areas that we're all affected by with stress and, and created a variety of things that they can reflect on in terms of self-care. The five areas being when we're under stress, we're affected physically, cognitively, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. And I thought and I hope that they would find it helpful. I took those five areas and created a variety of self-care practices they can pick and choose from that are unique to them to create kind of their own personalized self-care plan. And then there's even a poster that accompanies the handbook that you can put up in the workplace that has my self-care manifesto for funeral service in it. And so others that will walk by and see that will be reminded of the critically importance of, of their self-care. So again, that's at funeralservicefoundation.org they are providing that complimentary to anybody in funeral service. I think you only have to pay for the postage and then handbook comes to you at no charge. So that would be a good resource to have for your staff. And, and you could have points of discussion around some of the subtopics that I outline in there. So hope that will be helpful to, to people. Certainly. I think it will, you know, and one other thing I wanted to ask, this isn't something we discussed yet. Um, but uh, you know, a lot has changed over the past 18 months with uh, vaccinations and things. We've, in a lot of ways, uh, there's a perception that we might have turned a corner. But um, you know, in in light of that still being Mental Health Awareness Month, we should also consider the fact that it, while the virus itself may very well uh, be being addressed as, as good as it could. I, I think there are some secondary things that we still ought to encourage our listeners to just kind of keep an eye out for each other and, and for ourselves and make sure that we are doing what we can to maintain good mental health awareness. I couldn't agree more, my friend, that uh, stay conscious, again, not only of your own mental health needs, but watch out for your colleagues, your family members, your friends, 
and we're all in this together and we need to make sure we're taking care of each other and being self-responsible, but at the same time, looking out for those that love us and that we have the privilege of loving as well. So I appreciate your acknowledging that May is Mental Health Month and that, and that we've had the opportunity to explore a little bit about the importance of self-care for uh, funeral service. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on any of our programs. You're uh, definitely a friend of uh, Funeral Director's Life and a friend of mine. And as always, it's a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at funeraldirectorslife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. And we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.